Blog Talk Radio. From the Windy City to your city, courtside, the matchup you've been waiting for. A field of dreams for some and a long ride home for others. Sounding so good through the air, it's like you're right there. Folks, you want to score? People, she's got your game. It's the Maya Kai Show, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. She is pretty funny with your host, Maya Kai. Radio never looks so good. because you're tuned into the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brayton. Our sole purpose, as always, to help you to kick your morning up to the midday, talking all those hot topics and headlines everybody's talking about. All right, so we came out of a weekend. It was Nikki's birthday weekend. Are you ready? Have you, have you adjusted? Are you ready to get this done? <laughs> no, I shouldn't come back until April. This is ridiculous. Happy Monday, yeah. everybody. <laughs> all right, all right. With that being said, how the show is going to unfold today, you know we're on with you always every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to p.m. to p.m. Central Standard Time. You should know that by now if you're tuned in. All right, what's trending? We'll talk those headlines and hot topics everybody's talking about. They may have local, national. Sometimes we go international, not too often, but occasionally if it's worthy of talking about. And we'll wrap up that first hour with POV point of view. Then we'll kick off that second hour, that 1 o'clock hour, with, you know, we'll do, let's say, we're going to do the fringe in there, um, and then we'll do say what, and then we'll wind everything down. So that's how the show is going to unfold. Of course, you're always welcome to join the conversation. Don't be shy. You can call in, 310-807-5211. Or if social media is more of your comfort zone, or if it's just more convenient, I get it. Sometimes you're at work and you just can't be picking up the phone, calling to talk to Maya and Nikki. I get that. You can always find me on Facebook and Twitter, at the Maya Akai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram. The chat room is popping first thing at noon. I love it. So you can always come here and ha- join us, have a conversation. There you go. All right. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into what's trending. All right. We're going to be like the rest of the world and the nation. We're going to talk the Oscars. And, and not just because it's about talking about movies. Coming into the 88th Eighth Academy Awards, 88 of them. Isn't that crazy? 88. Yeah. It came with controversy in the sense of Oscars are so white with the hashtag that was trending up to this. We know that Jada Pinkett Smith was calling for actors to boycott, and it really polarized individuals. It really did. So the feedback, some people were like, yeah, we should boycott, like Spike Lee. Others were like, no, we're going to be there. What was interesting is we all knew that Chris Rock was hosting again. He has done a phenomenal job in the past, and he chose to stand firm and to keep his job, and I'm okay with that. It's better to use your platform and have a voice than to exit it and not have a voice, and I think he did a great job. But before we jump into that, let's kind of talk about, you know, I, I saw a little bit of it. I had other stuff going on, so I really couldn't watch it and the whole thing. I did catch his, his monologue, which I have to say, uh-huh. I had some oohs and some ahs and bit my lip a couple times. I was like, okay, okay. Um, I, I love when they turn the camera and they, they pan the audience. We'll, we'll get into that. But here's... Okay, raise your hand if you really if you really knew Leah Leonardo Capio was going to win Best Actor. I, I believed it. Because My hand is in the air, waving okay. like it just don't care. I was like, he's got yeah. <laughs> okay, and let me just say this: but yeah. I, I like Leonardo DiCaprio, and I feel he has actually done some good movies beyond The Revenant. Um, things like mm-hmm. What's Eating Gilbert Grape and so on and so forth. He's really done good work. So, but mm-hmm. this particular movie, when I saw it, I was like, okay, he's been like nominated something crazy like what, like ten times, something crazy like yeah. that. I was like, yeah. he's going to win for this because he really oh, is all. 
It was a great supporting Absolutely. cast. FYI, the bear got gypped because the bear should have been nominated <laughs> for Best Supporting Actress because it was a mama bear because that's why he won because that scene was so intense. I think I was sweating. I was like, oh, my God. It was it was a very yeah. intense movie. It really was. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to win something, you want to win for something like this. So happy for Leo. But I think everybody felt that it was it was going to happen. So best picture, you know, I, did anybody see the room? No. Did anybody never, see the spotlight? No. No, no one saw no. that, but spotlight won for best picture. Um, other films that were in there were like Bridges, Bridges of Spies, that was Tom Hanks, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Now, Mad Max Fury Road didn't win best picture, and I didn't think it should, even though I, I did see it. And I had mixed emotions about it because I'm I'm a Mad Max person. I like Mel Gibson in its original form. Okay, if anybody saw the movie, most men were griping because Charlize Theron was in it, and it really wasn't about – and she was not Mad Max, obviously. The movie was so much about her. It was very feminist strong, and people felt like it moved away from Tom Hardy being the new Mad Max. So mm-hmm. I will say this, though. The way it was shot, um, George C. Miller did a fantastic job. So – but I never saw Spotlight, which is about the Catholic Church and the abuse of priests. No. Never saw yeah, it. Yeah, no, I didn't see that either. Um, did see, obviously, Best Actor being Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Um, a lot of people saw that. Best Actress, um, Brie Larson, Room. A lot of people didn't see that. No. A lot of people. Actually, some of these movies that were nominated, like Carol, Joy, 45 Years, Brie. Yeah. But this I is, haven't heard of it. But here's the thing. The Oscars is known for going to get these fringe movies that, mm-hmm. it, that they, they they say it's snobbery because they nominate some of these movies and people are like I've never seen that heard of that right uh, or heard of that whatsoever. Um, you know, best supporting actor uh, was Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. Okay, people might have seen that. Sylvester Stallone did get nominated for Creed. If he was ever gonna win, people an Academy Award, it, it would have yes. been for Creed. So his shots are over yeah. now. His shots are done. Yeah. But it's interesting that he actually w- was nominated. Tom Tom Hardy, who was in The Revenant, he was Best Supporting Actor nominated, too. Um, the Danish Girl, I knew this movie would win something because it's, it's about transgender. The LBGTQ is, is yeah. very, a hot topic. I knew Best Supporting Actress was going to go to Alice Beiderkander. I knew it because I knew that movie would get something because of its subject matter. Not that she didn't do a good job. So, I mean, The Revenant pulled away, it, but... picked up, Mad Max did. It is what it is. Um, I don't know. I just straight I up heard that. Um, right I heard that, and I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I did hear that Christian Bale did an excellent job in The Big Short. I didn't see yeah. The Big Short, but everybody see. said that Christian Bale was a um, absolute like he did a amazing job. I really want to see it. it looked good. It just I just didn't get a chance to get to the movies to see it, but I did hear he did. that he did, he did an outstanding he did job. He did a great job. If you don't know Christian Bale, he was the Dark Knight, the last series for Batman. So his acting mm-hmm. skills are on point. He really is a good actor. He was yeah. good short. Um, you know, things like best best editing went to Mad Max Zero. I can see that because the way that movie was made, editing was huge. Okay, but best animated feature film, Inside Out, which is about what goes awesome. on inside your head, rightfully awesome. so deserves awesome. it. Um, awesome. Credit yeah. several other things in that there, but let so me just say, movie. it could have competed, honestly, with some other stuff. I thought that that was, was so rightfully cute. so best animated yes. Cinematography, The Revenant, yes. the cinematography was amazing in that movie. So, I mean, even though you might have been upset that enough black films were not nominated, I will say if you enjoy film, there were some good films in this. I mean, screenplay. People really didn't even kind of make a notation that Straight Outta Compton was nominated for Best Writing Original Screenplay. Yeah, it did. I mean, I'll yeah. read it. 
it's behind who's writing it, but there was technically a black film mentioned in the mix for screenplay. Right. No, right. so I mean, it, it wasn't a total oversight. I just think that people didn't particularly care the best actor, best actress, best film. I think that tends to be what people pay attention to. Yes. Um, I will say this though: I saw Spectre, which is a James Bond film. Writing on the Wall won that. Um, I think that The Weeknd should have should have won for Earned It from Fifty Shades of Grey, because that song was a great song. Oh yeah! Oh, everybody was. Oh yeah, that was a very very nice song. I don't know what that song Sam Smith was singing. What movie was that from? I don't, I don't know. Um, um, for Spectre? Him. No, oh, Spectre. Oh, yeah, oh, I was wait, like, wait, this song he, is god-awful. Oh, yes, yes, yes. See, there you go. There you have it. He did sing right oh, on the wall. god-awful. He did. It, you know, it sounded fine in the film. It's a typical James Bond-type song. Their songs are like that. But for him to win that over the weekend, I felt that was a cheat. Because oh, God, because he sang it, and it was horrible. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. He oh, God, it was horrible. All right, so that's the recap of obviously kind of winners. Um, there obviously there's always snubs. You you know that there is. It is sure. what it is. But let's get to Chris Rock because that's really let's do that. where the conversation is. <laughs> let's take a listen to a couple clips, um, which people might feel are the highlights of what Chris Rock said. Um, this is obviously from CBS. Well, I'm here at the Academy Awards, uh, otherwise known as the uh, White People's Choice Awards. You realize. If they nominated hosts, I wouldn't even get this job. <laughs> so y'all be watching Neil Patrick Harris right now. Jada says she's not coming. Protest. I'm like, you're on a TV show. Jada's going to boycott the Oscars. Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. I wasn't invited. Jada's mad her man, Will, was not nominated for concussion. I get it. It's not fair that Will was this good and didn't get nominated. Yeah, you're right. It's also not fair that Will was paid $20 million for Wild Wild West, okay? You know, it's not about boycotting anything. It's just we want opportunity. And not just one. You know, Leo gets a great part every year. But what about the black actors? What about Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx one of the best actors in the world. Jamie Foxx was so good in Ray that they went to the hospital and unplugged the real Ray Charles. It's like, we don't need two of these. But things are changing. Things are changing. Yeah, we got a black Rocky this year. Yeah, some people call it Creed. I call it Black Rocky. Rocky takes place in a world where white athletes are as good as black athletes. Rocky's a science fiction movie. Hey, man, make some noise for Chris Rock doing an amazing job up here. My God. I just want to say good night. This has been an amazing experience. Congratulate all our Oscar winners. Buy some Girl Scout cookies. Right, so that was just some clips. And obviously, he said a lot more than that. He really went controversial, yes. talked about, look, yes. there are 88, this is the 88th Academy Awards, which means yes. probably for at least 70, one of them, he was like, black people right. are not nominated for anything. He's like, but back in the day, like, he's like, you know, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, we had some stuff going on. He's like, you know, people right. were hanging from trees. I mean, he went there. Right. And I was like, Whoa. yes. My mouth dropped a couple times. Like, I wasn't sure how edgy or how deep he was going to dive on this, Nikki. Oh, I, Chris Rock gives zero, zero. So I knew. I was like, he's not, he is not one to just walk over and walk the line. And he did not. I mean, he went for Jada's jugular. I mean, he said everything. He 
that, oh, I mean, did. he said everything. I'm like, you wouldn't even invite. Remember we were talking, I'm like, you got to kind of be invited to boycott. I'm like, who cares if you don't go? So all of that stuff he really said because it was like, what are we doing? And, and I always said, why? We weren't. Every other year we get nominated. It's like sort of like a pattern. If you just look back from Halle Berry when she won, and then they skipped, and then the next year it was Ray, and then they skipped, and then you skip. It's every other year. I'm like, that's usually kind of the pattern. And I'm like, why is everybody going off like this year? Like, it's like just, I don't well, know if everything was just so racially like, charged around the world, but I'm like, this had, usually happens every well, other year. You know what? Cause, and they're snubs. Because, I mean, I'm sure that white people will tell you, excuse me, they're good films that don't get nominated. They get snubbed. I mean, sure. white people will tell you that. So, obviously, with Concussion being a very anticipated movie about the NFL and the concussions and all the research that went into it, um, sure. Will Smith being obviously a Hollywood darling, I think people were really yeah. shocked. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. If The Martian can be nominated, come on. Really? Yeah. That's not a new story. Yeah. You know, but so yeah. I think it was like, how does Concussion not get nominated? Technically, straight out of Compton was only good enough for screenwriting. People, I don't mean to be mean. That's not Oscar worthy. The acting. That's not Oscar worthy. It was um, not. So it was this, not Oscar. This be, it is what it is. But it did get screenplay. Right. So it did get an acknowledgement right. of the sort. Right. Um, what other what other films came out that people felt like were so worthy? Um, I'm missing one. I'm missing something that was key. Oh, um, Selma. 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 So with that being said, Selma, Selma and Concussion yeah. are two films. I don't care where you put them. How do you miss that? Because the Butler wasn't. The right. Butler was a year before, correct? In 2014. Right. So I right. mean, how do you pass Selma? So it, it, right. I, that's, I get that. I, I truly get how those two films, every black film that comes out is not obviously going to be worthy of nomination, just like every white no. film is. But I don't know how you miss those two. Selma. I would also right. question, how in God's name do you get an invitation to the Oscars? And I say that because the fact that Stacey Dash was on stage, how did, who, who brought her to the Oscars? Are you kidding me? They, oh, they did that for they did that for she was, but for the fact that she was going to walk out and they may but for the, she probably would not have been there so um, I don't I mean I don't know they did that for because she was a part of the show they made her a part of the show which was she extremely been awkward she shouldn't even have been in the building um, making Happy Black History Month see for everybody oh. who likes her on Fox you see how wishy washy she is she's trying to find her niche anywhere that she can. And for you to walk out on stage and to poke fun at black people like that, somebody should have cold-cocked her. Haircut's cute. Okay, though. yeah. It was so awkward. It was, <laughs> you, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. Sissy you could hear Hegan a pin drop. Looked like the baby kicked her. Because she was like, ugh. Seriously. <laughs> Chrissy Ticket, I was like, did the baby yes. move? Or is she just, that's the thing about even it, with Chris Morock's monologue that got very edgy. Here's what you could see when, you, when they pan the room. And I like that they were really flipping back and forth for audience reaction. There were three kinds of people there, and I'm not talking about any of the black people there, because the black people there were kind of like laughing, giggling, smirking. You know how that was. One, yeah. the white people who get this were like, yep, shaking their head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, giggling, because they're comfortable with it. They get the conversation. The white people who are against it had straight, tight faces and were like, when is yeah. this going to be over? And there were certain yes. people who just looked real uncomfortable. That means they mm-hmm. haven't really acknowledged the conversation, and here it is, dead smack, in my face, and the camera could end on me, so I'm trying to figure out what look I can have on my face, so I just seem like I am here, I am present, and I am taking it all in. That's what I saw when I panned the room, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. boy, I can tell what people here don't like black people. I can tell who don't agree with the agenda. It, I think it's I just a very awkward, it was very, I, I, because with, as I was watching it, I was like, you know what, if I 
was white at the Oscars right now, I think my whole face would turn red and pop off because it's just so uncomfortable because, A, it's the truth, and, B, you're supposed to laugh at it, but you're like, am I supposed to laugh at this or am I supposed to agree and not? I don't know what to do. And so that was a part of the uncomfortability of it because people just didn't know how to react. I'm like, am I supposed to laugh? But if I laugh, am I racist well, or do so, I agree? It's just like was, weird. And so exactly, they there just, were they, I was like, oh, they want to leave. There was mad laugh tracks. So I was like, uh-huh. you know that many people yes. in the room are not laughing because the laugh tracks are right. really heavy. But you're right. Um, right. See, that's sometimes when you're a person of color, you got to step back so we can laugh because we belong to the group of people yes. that the conversation's about. But if you happen to be right. white, you're probably not sure when you should laugh. Like, don't What's laugh at the right. joke. Don't laugh. Because right. It, I get see? it, what he was saying, but like, oh, wait. Exactly. So, so I could get yes. where that could be a real difficult yes. way to figure out when you're mm-hmm. supposed to respond. So the fallout right. from this. So, of course. So Chris Rock lays into Jada. The question is, yes. Jada and Will, do they respond? Or do they just kind of sit tight and go, Chris Rock has an opinion? Which, by the way, Chris Rock has an opinion all the time. This isn't new for him. Right. So he's always making posts and things on social media about injustice. So I thought he was true to form. But, and Jada tends to respond, but he kind of went in on her and, and Will. Do they respond to this? I mean, or no. here and they let it go. I think what you do is that you realize that, A, I mean, it's Chris Rock, like not that you can't respond to him, but he has a job to do. And you did make a lot of Oscar buzz. He's got to talk about it. I mean, he's absolutely, he absolutely has to talk about it and address it. And that's his job. And had it been – nobody's safe. Had it been anybody else or had they been white and they made a joke, it would have been fine. But just because you will and Jada doesn't mean you're untouchable, and you did kind of go a little bit extra. So he didn't say anything that I think that was really damaging or harsh or cruel or anything like that, but he was just like, all right, we, you got a little angry, you got a little upset, and it was this big thing, but they created the buzz around it and the boycott, and it was, I think, I mean, I don't think he went too far. It's just that it's Will and Jada, and who talks about well, Will and Jada? I think he tried Nobody. to find balance when he said Will deserves to be nominated for concussion. He yes. acknowledged that. He, yes. he said, but you did not deserve $20 million for Wild Wild West. Right. So he, he found the right. humor in it. Um, right. Kevin Hart, okay, too much Kevin Hart love. Way too much Kevin Hart love for me. You know, I'm not a big Kevin Hart fan. I don't particularly care for his, his humor. He doesn't really make me laugh. But he did get on stage and kind of address it like, this is a serious topic, but not being here does not solve the issue. And I agree with that. When it's all said and done, everybody would have boycotted and not showed up. One, would anybody have noticed? But two, would it really have sent the right message? Not at all. No. It wouldn't have sent any message. I said, I was like, okay, if every black, I was like, first of all, only five black actors get invited to the Oscars. So if five people are missing, what do you think? You're going to throw the Oscars and turn it on its ear? No, it's going to go on, and they're still going to have it. And that's what Chris Rock said. He was like, I thought about quitting, but if I did, I wasn't going to stop the Oscars. Why am I missing out on the job? Because it's not like our presence here is going to be like, wait a minute, we got to take a step back, all right, and then you can start negotiating. We're bad bargaining chips. So that would have did absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, and not to absolutely nothing that, as far as the Oscars go. He took a real deep dig when he was like, the real people complaining are the people who are working. But unemployed. But yes. I was like, okay. No, he no. said, no, but he was, and he's true. He was like, unemployed people always telling you to quit. <laughs> right. And, and here's, you know, and why he was dead on? Because every time. There was, a, like, I want to say the People's Choice Awards had come up and things like that, and so they had talked. Like, remember we did the clip about they had spoke, like, to Nisi Nash and Gina Rodriguez yes. and some other people right. about, you know, should people boycott the Oscars, people of color, and mm-hmm. they were pretty much like, no. 
And we said, you know why they're saying that? Because they got work. They're not going to do it. Right. Right their careers right. are moving. They're in motion. So they can't yes. afford to be like, absolutely, right. I'm not going. So, I mean, I agree. I'm like, yeah, Chris, you, you nailed it. If you're working, you're going to find a way to try to, to send the message and, and, and set the precedent of where you stand. But at the same right. time, you're not going to you're not going to vilify it either. You're just not going to do it. So Spike mm-hmm. Lee obviously was still vocal. So what did Spike Lee do? Is his protest last night? The, the Knicks had a home game, so he came dressed in a tuxedo and Oscar and his like in his gold gold Nike jumpers um, to the Knicks game on the sideline. Of course, you know media's there, microphone and face, and he's they're like, oh, you know, you're really dressed up. He's like, hey, you know what? The Oscars are tonight. I figured I had the tux. I should wear it. You know, but these gold Jordans, you know, these gold Nikes were not going to hit that red carpet. So he still managed to get his publicity out there, and, you know, that's how he spent his Oscar night. So he, he boycotted in, a, I guess, a, 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 a different way, but kept it in front of people. I'm tired of that little ant, so we can talk about it. I'm so tired of Spike Lee right now. I'm so annoyed with him still for that fiasco of Chirac that it's going to take some – he has a lot of – making up to do with me. I'm like, I can't even take you seriously right now because I'm still angry about that. So whatever with Spike Lee. I agree. I agree. But, you know, it's just interesting. So, you know, it's a lot of – what I'm finding in different media outlets in regards to with Chris Rock is some people feel like he nailed it. Other people feel like he was too soft. Personally, to me, he was in the Goldilocks zone. It was just right. It was edgy enough, but you you can't alienate and set a bad tone in the Oscars. So I get it. He did right. exactly enough to send the point home, but the night was ever to go on. Girl Scouts made some money. He said his daughters were selling cookies. Yeah. I love that. Didn't make enough yeah. money. The Girl Scouts flooded the audience and racked Good up. Good job, Girl Scouts. I love that. Good I'm like, job. So to me, that was a fantastic way to kind of bring the mood up because it was a little sombering with the conversation. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to send the message, but he realized, I also have to bring this back because there's a reason why I'm up here. So I say applause to Chris Rock. I thought he did a great job. Yes. All right. Absolutely. So that's what's trending. We're going to talk some more headlines and hot topics. We're going to take a quick break and come back. Interesting enough. Now, I don't know where people are going to stand on this because I think it's really interesting. Right now in Illinois, there's a bill in the assembly that's looking to pass that single mothers may be required to put their father's name on the birth certificate or receive no state Aid. Now, if people have been sleeping on this, you definitely want to sit tight. We'll you, talk about it when we better. come back. It's the Maya Kai Show. Up my featuring comedian, Mickey Blayton. Well, the man said, we're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. And then he said, we're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. We're going to start it all.
Show on Black featuring comedian Nikki Bray. We're in this first hour talking some hot topics and headlines in what's trending. You're always welcome to join the conversation, 310-807-5211. The chat room is wide open. You can post your comments there as well as you know where to find us on social media. All right, so some other headlines out there that are trending, and this is an interesting one. You know, anytime it comes to state assistance, you know, state aid, Mm-hmm. Different criteria are being put on the table by lawmakers. So yes. if you remember, for the last couple of years, we've heard things like restrictions on things that can be purchased with, like, link programming. Food like, stamps. they wanted to yes. say that, you know, over excessive amounts of sugars like cookies and sodas, as well as things like buying what they thought is luxury items like steak and lobster, are steak. things that mm-hmm. they may consider putting restrictions on because they said that's not what, you know, state assistance is about. That's mm-hmm. over the top. Well, another story that's trending, and this is looking like this could potentially pass, next to the drug testing of people who receive public assistance, lawmakers feel like if you want state aid, the father of your child, which as of now does not have to be on the birth certificate, is going to be required. So, baby daddy info may be coming down the pipeline. Take a listen as CBS News 3 WCIA reports on this. It could get harder for single moms to get state aid. A new proposal would force mothers to name the father on the birth certificate. We're keeping you connected to the Capitol. WCIA3's Kelsey Gibbs is live there. Kelsey, if the mothers don't name the dad, then they won't get state help for things like health care or child care. That's correct, Aaron. Now, the assistance would be denied, and the mother then would be ineligible for any state aid for that child. It's a move that doesn't sit too well with some people. Her is now 25 years old, and she's now in school. State assistance for low-income families have been a hot-button issue in the state. When parents and providers weren't rallying, lawmakers took center stage. I am not interested in providing child care to people where you don't even know the paternity. Back in September, Representative Jeannie Ives questioned the state's role in supporting single mothers who don't know who their child's father is. You should have to have verifiable need, and that means you better know who the daddy is and whether or not he can afford that child. Now, five months later, there's a bill to change the law. If a father is not listed on a newborn's birth certificate, the birth certificate will not get issued, leaving single mothers without access to state aid. The purpose of the CCAP program is for these families to become independent and successful working families. If they're going to school to get their degree, they won't have to have assistance anymore. The Teddy Bear Christian Child Development Center is a CCAP provider, and Director Penny Driver says she serves plenty of single parents. For the day that this house bill passes and this becomes a law, how many of those children are going to be affected by this? What is going to happen to them? Driver says the bill is ridiculous. Most of the time in these situations, they are either the father, it could have been a rape case, could have been um, incest, could be the father's in jail. The proposal does have an exception. The mother can go to court and have another family member sign the birth certificate and agree to accept financial responsibility for the child. More than likely, that's already a low-income family. How are they going to be able to do that? They're not. Now, as the children get older, they too will not have access to their own birth certificate, even if they're not applying for state aid. Aaron. All right. Very. All right. So that was CBS News 3 WCIA reporting on a bill that looks like it's got a lot of steam behind it, Nikki, in regards to passing. Okay, 
I don't really have an issue with this, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, it takes two people to make a baby. And I don't feel arbitrarily you should be able to not list a father for whatever reason. Now, I'm willing to have some leniency about the rape and even, you know, sexual assault, because I understand that's a different feeling. One, you may not know. So I think in some cases they may have to make some exceptions to this, because if you don't know, you don't know. But I don't have an issue with this because, one, in regards to child support, that means somebody else is going to be held accountable. The state's like, why should we hold the entire burden of, of paying for this child when there technically could be someone who's working who should be responsible for making a baby. I know people Correct. probably think this is bad. Now, don't try to make this apply to people moving back. I think that's not fair. Make it moving forward. You know what I'm saying? It's a new law, so don't say, don't go retroactive on people. But moving right. forward, it right. should be required. Absolutely. And here's the, I don't have a problem with it either, but here's the thing, and this is what I know. People that get assistance are going to get their assistance. So they don't put cousins. So you better try to make a match up. Take a blood test and make sure they match. Or else somebody will throw their cousin or anybody on there. Like they get apartments in their children's names. People will get around some stuff. So this is just a snafu. So if you're going to put somebody on there, they better match the child, not just the name. Don't make it about a name because somebody will come up with a name. They They better check out. Whoa, 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 whoa. They know that. So what did they say? One of the caveats to this bill is that, if you don't know who the father is or don't want to provide that, you can have another family member sign the birth certificate taking responsible, I'm sorry, financial liability for the child. So either way, they're going to find somebody, which now means your relative like, wait a minute, you mean if I sign this, I'm now financially responsible for this child? Yes. Oh, so yep. they, they know people are going to do that. So now they put that in line to say, okay, you can do that. So now you're saying if, for child support, we'll come to you. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't have a problem it's, with it. it I don't have a problem a baby, with it. And I'll tell you what. Representative Ives, okay, she was so into this. She said, yeah. baby, that's what she said, baby daddy. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> a very, you know, polished political rhetoric to have on the floor. But she was she was very passionate if you could have seen the video. But I, I get this. I think this is more of than just trying to make holding people accountable for who the dad is. But it's like you get a lot of people getting public assistance is there some other means of income that is not being paid by people that should be being paid? I have no problem. Absolutely. With it. I have no Absolutely. problem. Absolutely. And I'll Me be either. curious. How people many do it people all the time. All of the time. Because if the dad isn't on a birth certificate, then he can't go for it. So sometimes there are a lot of cases where dads won't sign it and they won't put their name on it and they refuse. They won't even come to the hospital because they know now I am responsible for this child. I can be taken for child support and all of this stuff. If my name isn't there, then I'm not doing it, which then makes the mother um, reliant on, on, on public assistance. And that's just how it works. Some people refuse to even sign it. So Maybe this will cut back on all of these children without fathers and, you know, relieve the tax dollars. I don't have a problem with it either. I don't have a problem with this at all. I don't know who your well, you baby know, daddy is. Because how the story was reported, it was saying the bill requires father's, you know, name, and people thought initially meant last name. No, you can still give the child your last name, but they're looking for mm-hmm. someone to be in that slot where it says right. father. They need someone there. And if right. you don't want to put the real father there, that's fine. You're going to put somebody's name there. They're going to be financially responsible. I don't have a problem with this. I think this is long overdue, just like I don't have a problem with restrictions on what you can buy with a link card, just like I don't have a problem with people being drug tested. I don't have a problem with any of that because if you don't want any of those restrictions, there's an easy solution to this, folks, and this is where I become a tyrant. Maya's on the boat. She's rolling yep. out the aisle of Misfit Toys because if you don't want restrictions on what you buy, 
If you don't want restriction on what you can put into your body, then I say, guess what? Don't be on public assistance, and nobody has to hold you accountable. But if you're asking for right. assistance, I've, and people say things like, well, if you're going to test recipients, then you should test, you know, um, politicians. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? If we catch them in the act, right. okay, they can lose their job too. But we're talking about the recipients. So stop trying to deflect mm-hmm. the conversation someplace else. But I was also very open-minded to if somebody tests positive for marijuana, cocaine, heroin, whatever the thing is, before we just cut them loose, we can address they have an issue and help them to get help for their addiction. I'm fine with that. But if we keep seeing a repeated behavior, then we need to do something about it because what we're probably ultimately doing is feeding your habit when it's all said and done. So, yep. I mean, I don't have issues with restrictions like that. Some people get upset and no. they feel like you're vilifying people that are on public assistance. And I'm like, okay, maybe, but one way not to be vilified is just don't be on it. I know that sounds wrong. I know it does. But I just look. I know where my tax dollars go, and I know where it can stop going. I know. <laughs> it's like so. I know. I'm all I, about I agree. Pulling I, reins on people, like getting people to be accountable for their for their actions. I'm all for that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. So um, it's interesting. This is um, getting some buzz, um, but probably not the buzz that it should. Another story that it's coming around. It's coming around. Um, and I'm throwing this one. I'm kind of throwing this one on, on the on the fire because it wasn't on my list of things we we're going to talk about. But it, it popped mm-hmm. up on my page, and I was like, "Got to talk about this." Talking about the legal limit of being intoxicated. We know that it's .080. If you blow that when you're pulled over, then you can be issued a DUI. Now, what's interesting, for a number of years, lawmakers have been trying to drop that down to 0.5. Now, interesting enough, I'm sorry, .05. What's interesting about that is right now, as it stands, depending on, you know, height and weight, to to kind of measure a 0.080, you would really have to have about two drinks per hour to maintain a blood level that would be that way. Now, if they're able to drop it one drink an hour, depending on height and weight and things like that and metabolizing, could put you, you could blow that, which means you could simply be at a party and have two to three drinks but have been there for a number of hours and get pulled right. over and be issued a DUI. What I think is insane about this, and, and, and the conversation to me is real, do you realize People who are going to drive drunk, one, are going to do it one way or the other, no matter what mm-hmm. the limit is. That's the first thing. Right. And two, we are so soft. On You've got people that are repeated offenders, like have five and six DUIs, but have never done jail time. So what's the point of, of is it to generate money? I'm like, because what is the point of modifying the law if you really don't bother to execute what you already have in place? Right. So I, don't, I, I see no point of changing what the legal limit is if – for people who are really, truly repeated offenders, you're not doing anything about it. And there's some data that I, says people that end up in situations where people have died usually are repeated offenders and having DUIs mm-hmm. that are involved in the homicide. I, absolutely, I agree. People drive drunk all the doggone time, every day, all day, all the doggone time. So essentially... What happens is it's the law of averages. It's just like you just haven't been caught yet. But there are a lot of people that are repeat offenders. they just never been caught yet. So every time you get behind the wheel and you're drinking and you're driving, you are a repeat offender. Nobody just knows that you are. So trust me, there are millions and thousands of people on the road that have a couple of drinks in their system. Absolutely. So I don't – I mean, how do you determine, though – how many drinks in the hour? I don't. I don't know because a lot of this, the variables are 
how much you weigh and how tall you are and how big you are. I mean, you know what I mean? Like somebody and very how you petite beca- and how you can have, can have alcohol. That's right. Where it comes absolutely. Everybody, yes. Everybody so a lot of things go into that. And know this, too. Just because you could have somebody who could not be a actual, like, they don't drink very often. Let's say they drink occasionally. And even for them, you know, .05, they could come across as drunk because they're not, right. they don't drink frequently. So even that doesn't right. change the situation for people. I'm like, let's just be more accountable about the laws that are on the books right now and hold people accountable, especially the repeated offenders. I was like, so changing it, I don't think it changes the mindset of people. If someone's going to go out and just get absolutely hammered absolutely. get behind the wheel of yep. a car, I don't think you yep. changing the limit is going to change their nope. mindset. I think it's what you <laughs> nope. do to them when you catch them is the difference maker. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. I that agree. now is back on the table. I just think it's a way to generate more money, personally. That's what I think. I think it's a money. It is. It is, a, it is. Absolutely it is because by the time you pay – Fines and fees and like all of that stuff that is money for the state and where where are we now in Illinois? We are in the red. So I mean, you know what I mean. So yes. this is more to how to, they're taking off these cameras now. So now that you got to supplement for that because now your red light camera money is going to be tampered with, you know. And so now, how do you do this? You got to find something on the back end to supplement all this money that was coming in. So it's just a sham and a scam. To get more scam money. and scam, that's what it is. If you really yeah. cared about people, you would actually institute the law and hold people accountable. This doesn't change the situation of irresponsible people. But that's, that's our response to everything, even to gun violence. Let's tighten the laws up. Okay, but when you look at the overall picture, responsible, you know, void card-carrying people are not usually the issue. And mental health is right. a whole other thing that we can't even begin to put our finger on. All right, this story right here, I wasn't sure how I felt about this when I read it. On Friday... There was a rally that happened in California, in Anaheim, where the KKK showed up, and it was an anti-immigration rally. And I guess they weren't quite prepared for the response because they came out with their sign saying white lives matter in response to black lives matter and, and kind of pointing the finger at immigration. And when this SUV pulled up, and there were Klan members there getting out of the car and people around it, mm-hmm. people became aggressive and began to smash the windows. Well, what happened was, yeah. I guess the driver forgot his brother and some of them were outside the car and sped off and left these three Klan members in the midst of this angry mob, and they had yeah. Yeah. flags and all kind of stuff going on. And interesting enough, three of the Klan members that were involved in what turned into a very violent situation where people were stabbed and so on and so forth, seriously, have been released out of police custody because a Jewish activist came forth and said, given the situation they were in, and videotaped this, they were, their life was in danger, and if they hadn't reacted this way, they would probably be dead. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay. So Brian don't, Levin is individual. Yeah. He's part of the Center of Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University in San Bernardino. And he's ultimately said he mm-hmm. was afraid for their lives and gave the footage he had to the police, which then resulted in these individuals looking more like self-defense than that they had murderous intentions. I, I saw again. I saw some of the video. I didn't see the whole thing, so I'm not. I'm gonna tell what I saw, and they were 
antagonist. This was not a peaceful march. This wasn't like, oh, they were screaming and getting in people's faces and pushing in the N-word. And, like, it was not like they were just doing their little thing with their flags and it was peaceful. Like, they were antagonizing folk. And, push, I mean, they were pushing back in, some, in people's faces. And a lot of the black men that I saw were trying not to fight them. And they kept walking aggress- very aggressively and then just ended up being like, all right, now we here we go. I'm not condoning the violence of it, but it wasn't like they were just peaceful and people just came out of the woodwork and just started beating the bloody pulp out of them. It did not happen like that at all. What they should have did was try to get out and go find the person who drove off and left them and beat them to a pulp because that's where the issue came in. So much for your brethren caring about your safety. (laughs) So five Klan members were actually arrested, um, but then obviously they were released after evidence shows that they were acting in self-defense. Of course, if you weren't there, it wouldn't have happened. But they were saying that the Klansmen stabbed three counter-protesters with knives and the ends of their flagpoles. Um, but there's still seven people remaining in custody because of beating, stomping, yeah. and attacking the Klansmen with wooden poles. So the people that were part of this on the other side, interesting enough, are still in custody. But the Klansmen are free. It's I don't know. I just, That's right. I'll That's why I was though, like, you know. Here's what I think the message came out for the KKK. When you show up, yeah. you because protesters yes. say they, they have something on their mind. And where you used to yes. be able to antagonize and you used to be able right. to walk into a situation and control it, it's not like that anymore. It is not People the 50s angry. anymore. Yes, People it is angry. not the 50s anymore. You no, better roll not. deep People and bring your soldiers with you. Don't over. bring, yeah. And don't bring your cowards with you that's going to jump in the car and the pickup and drive <laughs> off and leave you. You better bring your soldiers I tell you what, you, you, you better have big conversation for the yeah. bro who left you behind. That's all I'm going to say about that. Who sped off after some window was busted in the black SUV Honey, and left you in right the right at the next meeting? You better be like, Jim Bob, I can't believe you drove off and left me out there with all them people. Are you kidding Honey, me? Honey, they jumped in their little General Lee and packed up and got the <laughs> hell out of Dodge. They were gone. Bad times. Oh, bad no. times. It used to be protesting. People got in people's faces and they yelled. Now people, oh, my God. It's just. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what. But speaking of bad times, people all have their point of views on things. And the shocker for me that rolled out. This week is my girl, my girl, man, Melissa Harris Perry. Perry. MSNBC has severed ties after she sends yeah. a preemptive e- email to them about the situation of her show. We're going to talk about that, as well as we're going to talk about Kesha, the case she had about sexual assault that she actually didn't win, and not so much just about mm-hmm. her, but what's going on in this country when these kind of cases come up, so we're going to get a little heavy. So we're going to take a break, let everybody woosa, and we will be back. This <laughs> into the Maya Kai Show. I'm glad everybody. We'll be right back. Everybody's feet in the fast lane, surely now. Revving through the kids, trying to keep ourselves from stressing now. Ah. Take a look in your heart and your soul. This is really it. Is it all you are? We're so caught up in the riddle and we suffer for so little all along.
and trying to kind of mm-hmm. limit what her discussion was, especially in the midst of an election season. So she felt, though this show mm-hmm. bears my name when it comes to the commentary and the content, that MSNBC, which, by the way, is owned by NBC, which, by the way, is owned by Comcast, mm-hmm. she felt was trying to really just make her a puppet, a pawn. She sent that right. to coworkers, and people felt like that's where she crossed the line because she should have taken it to executives opposed to coworkers. What's your point of view on this? Well, um, I I don't think it was, like, really crossing the line. I think that it, if you want to go back and just really say if you're trying to dot your I's and cross your T's, you don't send the email to your, your coworkers because if it leaks or, or whatever, maybe she – I don't know if it was just a point of venting and getting it out, or maybe she thought long and hard and it was calculated because she knew it was getting back. I don't know. But I don't think that was crossing the line. I just think in, in terms of being professional, if you want to do that, then you take your problem to the, the head honcho first. If you don't get a response or you don't hear something you want to hear and you tell the rest of your team and staff, look, this is where this is going, I don't have a problem with that. I don't know that she did that first, but probably just to be professional. Well, she just should have took it to the, the execs first. You know, I'm sure you probably have heard your grandmother and your mother say this all the time. You get more bees with honey. Really? And unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. and I like I like her. I was like, follow her formation. Just be careful when you do it. Yeah. Because everybody yeah. can't do this. It's how she did it, I think, that's causing the issue. So when she wrote right. this, this letter to coworkers, she was addressing the NBC News chairman, who is Andrew Lack, and um, Phil Griffin is the MSNBC president. So it was, what her, her comments were directed towards them. And this is what she said. This is some of the email. I will not be used as a tool for their purposes. I am not a token, mammy, or little brown bobblehead. I am mm-hmm. not owned by LAC, Griffin, or MSNBC. I love our show. I want it back. Okay. So she, she took okay. the race conversation right there. And I think that's partially where it got in. And she went on to say, I don't know if there's a personal racial component I don't think anyone is doing something mean to me because I'm a black person. She called him. She called him to the carpet. Well, see, this is what people don't like. People don't like that. And so I don't have a – as a woman of color in in an industry that is male-dominated mostly, like people don't – if you feel so marginalized sometimes, like you're not important, I get exactly what she's saying. And, and if that, you can say how you feel. And if that's what she feels, why do people say like that's out of the last crossing the line? That's her. She can't cross the line with her feelings and how she perceives to be, what? you know, treated. I, and she's telling you how she's being treated. She can say that. I just, she can say anything things. wrong. I mean, she can say I, that. Look, Melissa will land on her feet. I mean, she's a professor at Wake Forest. Absolutely. Beyond this, her show has Absolutely. been on MSNBC for, for, since 2012, and people have come right. to like it. It's very balanced. Sure. Another network will definitely scoop her up. There's no doubt sure. about it. And then she went on to say that she, she only cares about, you know, it being substantive and meaningful and autonomous work. Right. That, you know, it, it bears my name. And I get this. When something bears your name and you're yes. forced to begin to put a product out there that does not align yes. with what you believe and is authentic. right, I'm, I'm with you on this. Pull your name because all of a sudden people start to say, that doesn't seem like the Melissa, you know, Harris right. Perry that I know. This commentary mm-hmm. is a bit different. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that she went to the powers that be first, and I think she should have. She, she maybe should have. Or she did, and the response she got, she felt That's... that her, her head was on the chopping block. So I know how it feels. Let me exit on my term because it never feels good to be fired. So I'm just wondering no. if this was let me exit on my terms 
and let me tell you why I'm doing it. So after this came out, then MS- MSBC has already said they're serving ties with her. The show is over. So pretty much at this point, MSNBC, who seemed like they were middle of a row for a while, pretty much has very little commentary with people of color. To me, she was their most substantial show that they had, in my opinion. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, she had a very, very good show. Yeah. I, I, I like her. I really like land, her. She'll land on her feet. You know, she what will. this made me think about, and I said, you know, because, you know, you, you talk about the Oscars and, and the lack of diversity and voice. It isn't unique to the Oscars. The Oscars are just a reflection of what you see in society when it's all said and done. Yeah. So while we're acting like it's new, I have no idea. It's not new, folks. Everywhere you look, you can see a reflection of racism in everything, whether it's sports, whether it's the media. It doesn't matter. The workplace, mm-hmm. it's there. It's never gone away. It's reared its ugly head, Nikki, in a way that I don't know. If you would have asked me ten years ago that we'd be standing here, I don't know that I would have said yes. I wasn't jaded, but I just didn't think with a black president, which I believe that's the root cause of this. That, that is the root cause of it. This just absolutely, it was so hidden, and it was hidden so well. Yeah. What I have taken note of, and I'll just be curious how people feel about this. Like I said, everybody, you can weigh your conversation and on the three one zero eight zero seven five two one one chat room is open. Social media, you know how to connect with the show. There used to be a point of time where when it came to the black voice, the powers that be really could say, sit down, shut up, get to the back of the bus, and could really shut down anything that you had to say because they truly controlled the media base. Now, this is all before social media. It was like print, and it was like television and radio. And that is still controlled by the powers that be. But here's the difference. They can no longer say, sit down, shut up, and go to the back of the bus. Because now that people, for what it's worth, folks, believe it or not, you do have freedom. And you do have freedom Mm -hmm. of speech. And people are now choosing to really exercise it. That's why people don't like Black Lives Matter. Because their rhetoric is not in line with what people want to hear them say. They don't always do stuff right, is my issue. But their rhetoric isn't there. But people aren't sitting down and going to the back of the bus. So what are you seeing happening? Anywhere that the powers can be can pull a platform away, they're pulling that platform, or they're manipulating that platform. And that's what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And what's sad about this is that when BET sold to Viacom, we lost a power base to have a voice. Black publications like Ebe, you know, Ebony and Essence and Jet, um, Black Enterprise, they don't get enough people to really tie in and to read them the way that they should. And people better start rethinking supporting this. Because if you happen to be a person of color, if you want real relevant com- you know, commentary that's authentic to you, you're going to probably have to start going back to those kind of outlets. Because radio stations are a dying breed, if it's not music. Yes. And they're owned by conglomerates like Clear Channel and yes. so forth. So where they're putting the chokehold on the voice is if we take you off the air. If we take the public eye away from you, nobody can hear what you have to say. And that's the deconstruction that I'm seeing happen in front of me. They're taking away those people. Yeah. She knows that. She felt that. And I think essentially that's what she was saying. You're trying to, change, you're trying to tell me what to say. And she's very outspoken, and she wasn't afraid to touch on subjects and issues and give her opinions and have very opinionated people, and sometimes they would be mostly women. Um, and so she's very outspoken in, about several issues. And I got the feeling that they were trying to, like, pipe her down a little bit and say, hey, we have to change the whole scope of it. She's like, that's not what I do. And if, that's what, if it's her integrity that she's standing up for, I don't care how she did it. It might not be right for anybody, but at the end of the day, she has to look in the mirror and look at herself and be okay with herself and whether she's a puppet or not and she chose not to do that i don't care how she did it in the email i don't care how she did it 
That's what she's supposed to do to look at herself every day, and I don't have a problem with that because a lot of times people sell out for money and fame and power, and a lot of people turn into puppets. And she's like, I'm not willing to do that. So I hope she lands on her feet. I know that she will, oh, but, she will. you know, sometimes she, she this is one door closed is, and a, another one will open for her. So I, I have confidence that she will. where she can make this fall in line yeah. because, you know, Fox is not going to be the right fit for her for sure. CNN Mm-mm. is probably not going to be the right fit for her. Um, HSN is what's left, and not to say it's not the right fit, but like I said, I just feel like the powers that be are putting a chokehold on those media outlets, and they're limiting the voice. If you're not Don Lemon, if you cannot be, right. if you cannot be handled by the puppeteer, you are not going to be on those outlets if you're too outspoken. And this is what right. people need to realize. This is why social media now will have a lot of prevalence. She can probably do a private show someplace else. There are other places. But what oh, I like yeah, on that platform, she was she was able to, to really touch other demographics, which I think is important when you're trying to get people to understand and to educate people. Because if you're only mm-hmm. educating us, which, by the way, still needs to happen, that's good. But we need for other people to hear what is going on. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm okay with her, you know, making sure, like, this is my brand. This is my name. Yes. And I can't be sitting here yes. saying something that's totally not succinct with what my mindset is or what my message is. So she's out right. at MSNBC. But here's the thing. I do believe people will follow her because they like her. I will. They actually like her. So another story that's point of view that's interesting. So not that I think – not that I, I don't dislike Kesha because that's not, that's not what interests me about this. If you know who Kesha is, Kesha is I forgot new, about Kesha, actually. I forgot about her. on yeah. tough times. She had addiction issues and other things were going on with her, and she was really struggling. And it's interesting because a lot of artists have come behind her to support her. I know Taylor Swift actually gave her $250,000 towards her legal woes. But the story mm-hmm. about Kesha that's interesting is that she had a court case that pretty much she lost where she was accusing her former collaborator and producer, Lucas Gottwald, who professionally goes by Dr. Luke. He's not a doctor at all. That's just what he goes by in the music world. She's saying that he had shackled her to a 10-year contract with, with Gottwald Company. Um, it's, a, it's a subsidiary of Sony. But he had controlled her both recording and publishing. But more importantly, her entire livelihood as an artist and a businesswoman was in his clutches. But the reason for the suit really wasn't about the money. Kesha came out and said for 10 years, Gottwald drugged, raped, and emotionally abused her controlled her creatively and emotionally through threats and manipulation because of how much control he had of her. From this, which these might be the telltale signs, she began to have an eating disorder, she became addicted to drugs and other things to cope with, and has gone into rehab. So initially we didn't know the full story, and not that somebody cared, of why it seemed like an artist who was really doing well all of a sudden just was coming apart at the seams. Well, interesting enough, she didn't win the court case. Right. And now people are, are questioning. They said there wasn't enough proof that pointed to the fact that Gottwald had the extent of influence or more so even abused or raped her that she is saying. And hence, pretty much the case was dismissed. And people are in arms. Now, what's interesting about this is Gottwald took to social media, which I thought was interesting because most people tended to lay low and don't say anything because people were still demonizing him, saying, wait a minute, I was found innocent of this. And plenty of people that I have worked with in the industry have come up and spoke about my character, and nobody else has accused me of what she's saying. So why is the court of public opinion working against me because of what she said? And it's interesting, because for whatever reason, and I'm not saying he's innocent or guilty, because honestly I wasn't there at either. 
I well, never heard of him, so I don't society, know. If somebody is actually found innocent of something that obviously is a heinous crime, such as sexual assault, sexual abuse, you know, domestic violence, when an innocent verdict is rolled down, why don't we accept that? Why is that? Because, again, my you find it very, very hard to think that somebody would lie about something, and then in so much detail. I mean, like being shackled and for days and, like, all of this stuff. You find it very, very hard that somebody has an imagination to say some things like that and then come out and have a law student go through all of this process without it being true. And I think that that's why we struggle with it. Because it's the same thing with Bill Cosby. I'm like, okay, one woman, two women, three women. When it's 54, you people have a problem with, even though he's been found, thing, court cases have been thrown out, public opinion, as you know, is so very important because people still have their opinions. And even though he, they're throwing court cases out for Bill Cosby and people are retracting statements, he's still guilty in the court of public opinion. And this is the exact same thing. You don't think Kesha would lie about this. So people are outraged. Well, you know, it's interesting they think because we got it unfortunately wrong. for her, she's locked into this 10-year contract. And beyond the fact of, the, of any kind of abuse, when you talk about, you know, sexual, there's like literally this will turn into financial abuse for her because of the rights he has to her music. Even moving forward yeah. for a number of more years, he can release stuff and she can't publicize it. He has 100 creative control of her, which makes people feel like perhaps this is why she went that route to say this was pure manipulation. And let me just say this, and this is why I'm on the fence on this. I don't know him. I don't know her is what she said. But we've seen plenty of cases like where Brian Banks, the player from California who now is on yes. the high school student that was accused of rape, went to jail. Um, it, then the girl recanted what she said. He was released, and actually the Atlanta Falcons allowed him to, to play, and he's actually back on track with his NFL career. But we've seen more than enough cases where people have actually lied about assault, went more for the civil side and not the legal side. So, unfortunately, there's a culture that's happening within our country where people are being dishonest, Nikki, and they are lying for yeah. financial gain and other things. Not to say that. that Kesha is lying. But it's interesting, if you're found innocent, why is it so hard for people to say, well, technically there is no proof that this is true? Her, her becoming having an eating disorder and becoming an alcoholic and abusing drugs could have been because she realized from a career standpoint that he has her around the neck and there's nothing she can do about it. And that also could have led mm-hmm. to that behavior. But he's, he's actually taking, to, he's taking this on and saying, it's not fair to me. There's nobody. You, you've not found another person that has come out and said, I have done this to them. It's interesting because the question is, can we ever find it within our minds? in the core of our being, to be open-minded enough to question if somebody truly is not guilty of being accused of being a rapist. Interesting. No, I mean, I think it's hard. It's very, very hard because uh, it's hard because you don't – it, it makes it bad for women who have been sexually assaulted and violated and raped. It really does because you don't want to call everybody a liar. You don't want to assume – that every woman is lying about this for some and has some ulterior motive about saying that somebody sexually assaulted them. If I say it, it's true, because I would never lie about that. That's exactly. not something that you play, but then exactly. you understand what I mean. So that makes so if you call me a liar when, when I've really been violated, that hurts, because nobody tends to believe the woman anyway. And so it makes it very hard for the women that do lie for ulterior motives and other reasons. It makes it very, very hard when it's absolutely true. And I think that's what people struggle with. And that's the struggle. And this is, this is interesting because mm-hmm. from a perspective of a man, I'm going to advocate for a man for just one moment. 
There's got to be nothing worse if you're really innocent, and this is yes. why. This is why I'm sick <laughs> of this. If you have been, if you come back and recant that you lied, you need to do jail time. I, I believe yes. that because I think a message needs to be sent. This is a serious allegation that you're making that people are trying to follow up on, and if you lie, I don't think we should let you just walk away from your lie. It's not okay with me. You need to be prosecuted. Forget slander. Go legally for that person to be incarcerated because you just don't get to, to make an allegation. You need to give people something to think about because there's nothing worse right. than being accused of something and you're innocent. And here's the thing. The stigma stays with you even if you're innocent. This is mm-hmm. a really muddy water situation. It really is. And I would hate to think that Kesha would not go to this death. And if he did it, I don't know. But, you know, I'd say it this way. If he did it, Walk away with the verdict that's in your favor and shut up. If you're guilty. And shut up, yes. Don't go and go try to yourself on social media. Just yeah. got away with one. Walk away and don't say anything about it, especially if you're guilty. Let it go. If you're innocent, yeah. then I guess you have a right to stand up. But I don't know. It's just it's an interesting case because we keep seeing this happen. And, Nikki, I'm getting to the point where I'm standing here going, how do I know if this person's really guilty when there's no true evidence that they are? Right. Interesting case. Um, I feel bad for Kesha because she really has spiraled. I feel bad for anyone in the situation where they feel they have to abuse themselves because they're being abused in any way, shape, right. or form. So really interesting case. Yes, a lot of people have stood behind her. Like like I said, Taylor Swift, Zoe Saldana. Um, tons of people have come to her defense, and people have come to his, which is interesting as well. All right. It's a matter of perspective, and that's a toughie. That one. Yeah. Melissa Harris Perry. That's a toughie as well. But I think she'll land on her feet. She'll figure something she out for sure. All right. Officially, the first hour is in the books. That actually went kind of fast. We're going to take another musical break and we'll come back. Talk about those fringe conversations, those headlines that are trending. They just may not be trending in your timeline. Some of the stuff we're going to touch on. If you remember that University of Missouri professor, Melissa Click, who got really enraged about what was going on in Mizzou with the students standing up, uh-huh. she got fired after a racially charged protest happened, as well as, could you imagine artwork at your kid's school with the pics that the police are like the Klan? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. We're going to chat about that <laughs> in the fringe. Sit tight, everybody. One more break, and we'll be right back.
into the second hour. We're on with you until 2 p.m. We're going to move to the fringe. Those headlines that are trending but may not be in your timeline. There are so many places you can get your news that we kind of always scrub around the Internet to see what we can find that people are talking about that maybe isn't trending. And a couple stories out there interesting. Getting terminated. Artwork in middle school is controversial. And people allegedly being dead at the scene when police arrive real fishy. So there's some different stories. We're kind of going to go around the country on this. This is definitely one of those segments that has the kind of national perspective. All right, so the first story that's interesting out there, and I picked this up from B. Scott, which is a website that kind of is a lot of it's California-based. Um, uh-huh. There's a story that is coming out of Inglewood that police were – is a couple that was shot – and killed by Inglewood police. But allegedly it's being reported they were unconscious when the officers arrived. Wait. You heard what I said. A couple was shot and killed by the Inglewood police, but it's being reported that they were unconscious when the officers arrived. So hence raises the question, why would you shoot Who unconscious shot? people? That's what right. the question right. is in this. Right. So last weekend, now, this, like I said, this obviously is an investigation that's going on, but it's it's coming out that when the police showed up to the vehicle where the couples were sitting in, it's saying that in the vehicle that they were allegedly potentially unconscious. So the troubling revelation, which really complicates this, is that they responded to a report of suspicious vehicle parked close to an intersection at Inglewood Avenue and Manchester Boulevard at 3 a.m. So, of course, it's some odd time of the morning um, intersection. They probably fell asleep at the light. I'm just kidding. Not that that could ever happen, that you could fall asleep at right. the light in a car. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> this happened on a Sunday. It was February 21st. Upon arriving, they discovered there were two people in the car. Keisha Michael was 31 and Mark Quentin Sandlin, who's 32. It was saying they were both unconscious in the vehicle. Upon seeing the unconscious couple in the car, it's being reported, the police retreated, isolated the vehicle, and spent about 45 minutes attempting to get the two occupants to wake up and allegedly de-escalate the situation. I'm trying to figure out what you're de-escalating, though, if the people are, like, just out are like unconscious. a light. Like, how right. are you de-escalating that? I don't understand that. So originally, the Inglewood police officers, they're saying open-fired open on the couple, after they noticed the woman had a handgun. Now, this is the story that's being reported. So they must have walked up to the car, you know, like, you know, flashlights out at 3 a.m., shining, and they must have seen a weapon, but yet they saw two people who looked like they were out of it. Now, this is what is being reported from the, from the department. The officers then ordered both of the people in the car to exit before taking cover and open firing. Now, they're saying, there's a recording, the police can be heard on the police radio transmission saying to the woman, saying the woman had a handgun in her right hand, but it's still unclear why the officers opened fire. So they did acknowledge that there was a weapon in the vehicle and the woman had it. They described where it was in her persons. But no one understands at this point why they would choose to open fire. It wasn't like the door is opening, especially if you tell them to exit the car. Well, you know they got a weapon, so now what? So now this story, um, I'm wondering how long it's going to take before this comes before out. Before they unravel this lie, before they the the whole entire lie unravels. Just what it, I'm waiting on. I'm, you trying to 
I can't make sense out of nonsense. None of this makes sense. First of all, like, how are you, if you're unconscious, you pass out with a gun in your hand? Like, what was happening in that car before everybody passed out? And so you have a gun in your hand and you're unconscious, and then the police arrive, and they can't get comatose people out of a car without shooting them? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense. The whole story seems very fishy. I do understand that. What complicates the situation is when there's a weapon involved. I get that. I totally get, you know, you figure, because one, you're like, are But was really it a weapon to? or was it a cell phone? You know, we've seen those instances. Was it a weapon or was it a cell phone that appeared to be? We don't even know if that's a real gun. That look like guns. Now, but I would say this too. Who armed sits at an intersection at 3 a.m. if they're okay? That's what Nobody. I'm saying. Yeah. So they were probably yeah. either intoxicated, impaired by something, because you just don't park your car at the intersection, because you know that's going to draw attention. So there's something odd. There's something missing yeah. in the story. But this yeah. is like if the door didn't open, the window didn't crack, and you just started firing. And unfortunately, the outcome of this situation is they're deceased. And they, it's a total of seven children surviving these two victims. Um, the, Michael was a single mother. She had three sons. Salem was a single father. He had four daughters. And I guess the two of them were actually out on a date, according to the family. So now this sounds strange. We're on a date, and I'm packing. I don't know the whole thing, Nikki. I just... see that, that. I don't think it was a gun. I don't. I, it, it was. A, so it, she could have anything in her hand, and they're like, "It's a." That's the first thing that people say. It's almost like that rhetoric that you always hear. Like that's what you're supposed to say. If anything is in somebody, it could be a can of hairspray. You don't know what it is, but the first thing you're gonna say is that usual rhetoric. They had a weapon. And how many times have we seen, like, that wasn't even a weapon. It was a cell phone. That wasn't even a weapon. It was a, I'm any, that, you know, that all the time. Bad idea. Bad idea. Whoever thinks that's cute. I'm not even saying dangerous. the one that looks like a gun. Like, sometimes people have cell phones and they're black. Yeah. Or they have, you know, like, you the know. Size of them, one of them, you yeah. And it's interesting because right. what we haven't, I mean, this story is being, like I said, I, I got the story off of lovebscott.com. But also um, the story came from Elliot, which is a, a public, uh, it's like an online publication that kind of covers all the things happening uh-huh. around L.A. We know Inglewood is right there outside of, you know, L.A. What we're not sure. hearing in this story is upon arriving at the scene, a weapon was found. So like you said, you could have looked down and thought you saw a gun, but you don't. You can't confirm that. Right. At 3 a.m., the car is dark. We're not even hearing enough information that really supports that truly she was armed. So it's a very, it's an odd story. Correct. We already know this. L.A. police, Inglewood police, they're shady. We know that. We've seen way too mm-hmm. many situations out there. I mean, they're like Chicago. Shady. Yeah. I hate to throw shade yeah. on you guys. I do. But uh, many things have happened out there that people have questioned. So this is a story that's flying under the radar. It happened, like I said, on February 21st, Sunday, so the weekend before. I'll be curious if this picks up some traction because it has a lot of question marks behind it. So I'll be curious oh, how absolutely. long it takes before this really starts to kind of bubble up. Another story out there talking about, uh, this is one of those things I, I really have mixed emotions about. I really, really do. And this actually involves a police officer. And he's outraged and complained after seeing this painting that was at his daughter's school. This happened in Kentucky. Dave Hamblin is a police officer, and he comes to his daughter's school and sees this artwork being depicted of a drawing. And it's, this looks like it's a middle school based on the drawing. It doesn't give a ton of details about the school itself. Right. But the picture depicts, it says 1930. It has the drawing of a Klan's member with a gun pointed at a, a black man and has a Confederate flag. Then it has a line down the middle. On the other side of the page, it has 2015. It has a police officer um, 
obviously it's a white face, and it has an American flag underneath it, and it has what looks like a hooded youth, more of than an adult male, with a gun pointed at him. And this was being displayed at the school. I don't, I yeah. don't agree with it. I don't think that's Well, the first thing... The first thing that I thought was I always try to find out how old these children were. So they said that it is stemming from a, a project, a school project, that they were doing um, Harper Lee's book, To Kill a Mockingbird. So then I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, they weren't they weren't tiny children. They're not six or seven. I'm trying to remember oh, when people read To Kill a It was like, is that high school or like a middle school? Dude, I would think maybe junior high. It could be junior high because I like maybe it, junior I high. To Kill a Mockingbird in eighth grade. So, I mean, I yeah, think it's right. junior high. Because they failed to disclose the age, like the age, but given the drawing, right. this looks like it could be given high. to kill a mockingbird, to kill it like that kind of age. Era. Right. So if right. it were first grade or second, third, fourth, if it's eighth grade, this doesn't look brutal and harsh to me. I understand you might not like it. I understand that it might, but this isn't something, okay, especially if they're doing it. I understand that, but how does it's that uncomfortable. reflect to kill a mockingbird? Because we both read the book. How does that reflect to kill a mockingbird? I don't. It it doesn't. I don't know what the project was. That, that I you have to see then. the project. I don't not know what the, the I don't know what the project is. Not uh-huh. the project. That's not. That's you, not I don't know what it about. was. That's not. What I don't know what about. the project. That's that's a commentary from a youth, which I I don't have a problem with. I just don't think it's appropriate in middle school. I don't actually want to see this in high school per se. I prefer to see something like this in college, because then I think the mindset's there. It's you can too really late. Have a conscience and formed opinion on this. But to me, this is it's something, this impressionable. I don't, and I'm going to tell you this, okay, you're black and you're okay with it, but if you're white, you're not okay with it. And if you change this imagery, you, and wait, and I put, and I put instead the Klan, um, a Klan member hanging a black person or something vice versa, then it gets more aggressive. I just don't think it's appropriate. That's got nothing to do with Kill a Mockingbird. It has nothing, but you don't know what the project is. If the teacher was like, do something in a modern time to depict what you would think, you don't know what the project is. It might um, very much have something to do with it. You don't know what it is. I don't want to see this in a school. It don't have anything to do with the book, but you don't know what the project is. It could be something so totally different. I just saw a picture of the Klan pointing a gun, because the Klan was very instrumental, obviously, in To Kill a Mockingbird. Sure. It was a racist jury judge. I get that. FYI, Harper Lee actually passed away, what, about two weeks, two, three weeks ago? Yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. Um, but not before yeah. the kind of the sequel to this, Ghost at the Watchman, came out. She did get to see a book right. that had been tucked away forever was actually published. Ever, um, yes. So the continuation yes. of The Kill a Mockingbird is actually out. Um, but Harper Lee <laughs> recently passed away. But right. if I just have the one side, I'm probably, I get it, because that's how a kid might translate it. It's just, this is dangerous. It's dangerous when we're trying to educate young minds and silos come to exist with this. Because I always say, educating people doesn't mean making them feel marginalized. Like, here's an issue I do have. When we talked about, and we didn't talk about it on the show, actually, I mentioned this to somebody else, how clearly this gets back to the powers that be, are trying to restructure history in a way that people are uninformed. First we had talked about, um, well, what we had talked about last week off air was how your son came home with a project and it mentioned the civil rights movement about how people were being treated unjustly. Until we left out, it was a racial issue. I was like, wait a minute, and your son, being who he is, was like, hey, Mom, this doesn't seem like it's the right information. No, I told him it's not right. The definition, I was like, that's not right. So we, I was like, no, that's not what it was. It was, it, it, what it said was, it was, the civil rights movement was for 
the injustice of all people. And I'm like, it absolutely was not. It was for the injustice of black people. Exactly. I'm like, everybody else had their rights. I was like, that is absolutely incorrect, and I'm going to show you why. And I explained that to him. I'm like, that is so wrong. They tried to gloss over it, like, for all people. And I'm like, bull crap. And so I had to tell him exactly. And he was like, why would they say that if it's not true? I was like, this because is, they, this, this is, is just, this is why. This is how mindful of this. Remember, yes. like, yes. somewhere back in... I don't know, maybe like October, November, we talked about another book was talking about, this came out of Texas, Another Mother I Spied, the textbook mentioned slavery Mm -hmm. and immigration, and I was like, involuntary immigration, if you're trying to be funny. I mean, he's telling people, the powers that be are pinning spin doctors. They are changing the story, and if you're not paying attention, now imagine, now I'm not trying to be, I'm not creating an excuse. If I'm a young white kid and I, I read immigration, I'm like, okay. I don't see that the same way. It's slavery. Like Scholastica, when they got on put on scrutiny, making a birthday cake for George Washington and made it seem like it was a good, like slaves were like, you know, shucking and jiving and were happy, <laughs> bojangling about baking a cake for George Washington. It was misrepresent. The message was wrong. People, they're changing the story. And because people aren't paying attention, it's unfolding. A textbook has no right to change what history is, but no. it doesn't want to have a bad reflection on the dominant group in this country. So I'm like, I, get, I, get, I get what the kid did, but to me, we're creating all these silos. And opposed to educating a generation to be able to understand each other and to maybe get past what we have somehow managed to resurface, I don't think this helps. I don't. I don't, I don't think this is what the problem issue. You can't explain something ugly, and you can't put something that's really, truly ugly, which is racism in this country that has been existing since the beginning of time, since the slaves came here, something that's, uh, that ugly that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. You can't put it in a pretty bow, in a nice package, and, and wrap it up so everybody can stuff. You have to tell the ugly like it's ugly. You have to, and people are uncomfortable with that. I can't wrap this up and make it pretty for you. I can't make it well, so you're comfortable with it. This is what it is. I, I, I can't that. do anything about that. I get this that. is the truth. I get that, but when I'm telling you, when non-people of color parents come in the room, they're going to be like, what in God's name is that? I know. I get <laughs> that. I understand that. I understand. I mean, talk about I, understand. I was like, I was like, whoa. And the I, kid's actually a fairly I, decent little artist. Keep it going. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just yeah. like, uh, I don't no, know. But okay. You, either we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be ugly. If that or doesn't don't. make you say what. And the next segment is say what. I may walk the line okay. on feeling not real comfortable about that. Show me what the assignment is, and I'll tell you if I'm okay with it. But say what's the next segment. Right here in Illinois in Barrington, the school district is apologizing because they allowed a slave auction skit to happen. (laughs) Okay, now see? Now talking about people not understanding what they're not supposed to be doing, that's it right there, folks. That's it right there. Talking about 99 Shades of Crazy. We're going to take another break and come back and keep it rolling with what?
some students were there from Kimwood Academy, and mm-hmm. a student reports name was Daniel Daniels. That one of the performances that came out was really offensive. That some students from Barrington High School presented a skit that was supposed to be set in ancient times, but one of them was being auctioned as a slave. They said initially what kind of threw people off well, they thought maybe it was some kind of bachelor-type thing because it was two students on the stage, but then they saw, like, a collar and a chain coming from it around the student's neck, and then it proceeded to kind of unfold the skit that it was a slave auction. Okay. Of course, Barrington School District had offered their sincere apologies. They did not mean to offend anyone. The students participating, obviously, in the convention this weekend, um, they were concerned, but the students never meant to be offensive. How is okay? I don't first skit implies funny. Like I don't get so I, maybe the word skit is the wrong is not the word. right word to do right. here. So, but I'm trying to understand, and this is what I keep trying to wrap my head around. And I always make sure things are age appropriate. These people are in high school. Okay, how do you talk about race and educate people, especially embarrassing, about the history of black people in this country? And then you do something like this, and everybody's offended. So I'm like, was it done in poor taste? Were they white people in blackface, and were they making fun of it? Or was it just really a piece of our history that they chose to perform and do this? Why is that so offensive if it was done correctly? Which means this is the Latin Latin club meeting. This is ancient times. We're talking about Greek and Roman. So this will have nothing. Obviously, there were African slaves that were there. Sure. Um, What I can see from the video, I did not see anybody in blackface. I did not see that. Okay. It was insensitive because of the chain, you know, the collar around his neck, the chain around his neck. There's probably different ways. Okay, um, let's look, slavery is not unique to black people. Let's just put that in perspective. It's not. I understand that. And so I'm like, but they, they were ch- trade that. You could have said that a person like hands bound and have done, you know, the reenactment of whatever you were doing. But the students in the room from Kenwood Academy felt, they felt odd about it. They felt uncomfortable, which now this makes me question. Is this being too sensitive? Is it because slavery is yes. not unique to black people? So it is not. Slavery is ha- it's global. It's happened everywhere since the beginning yes. of time. Somebody's owned somebody. Yes, that's just how it is. So my there were is, Greek slaves. There were yes, Roman they slaves, they, they were all Africans had everybody yes. had slaves. Yes. Vikings had slaves. Yes. Everybody had slaves. Yes. So my question yes. is, should this be Barrington School District has they've apologized for it? Like I said, like I said I saw no blackface, which that would have been inappropriate. So my question that would have been inappropriate. Were the students being too sensitive to something that is not just unique yes. to black people? And yes. Is it fair to say you can do this and you just don't have a right to say, well, wait a minute, because you're in the Latin club, so shouldn't you know better? No, know. know better about what? Because they had slaves, too. Like you said, slavery so is saying. not unique to you're us. You're in so Latin everybody, club, so, so it, shouldn't you know better? As a black person, that slavery existed, and if they're – if their skit was in context, yeah, as a black person, you should. This is this is, when you were like when people are inappropriate and they don't know better. I'm like, I don't see anything wrong with this. We have to educate. Edu- part of this, I keep saying, we come from an ugly world, and if it was done inappropriately or if they were making fun of it, then that's inappropriate. But if I'm just taking a piece of history of something that actually existed, and that's what I choose to to do for my presentation or whatever, why is that so offensive when it happened? It's a real thing. So why are people so offended by it? It happened. So get your panties out of a bunch. Nope. If know, nobody did anything inappropriate, what I don't have a problem with it. On this, it didn't see, I didn't see anybody in blackface. I didn't see that. What little video I saw on this. Okay, that would have been inappropriate. The school district did apologize for the slave auction skit. But if it was in context, I was like, look, folks. I, what's wrong? 
Right. You don't have ownership of slavery. I, 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 we feel like nope. we do, but you don't have ownership nope. of it. So unless they were really half-cocked and doing something inappropriate, then yes. But this, I, t- I keep telling you, the safe space crap is out of control. It is yeah, out of control, and I'm like, we can't. Like, I feel like that's about me. Everything's not about you. It's about it. No, it's not. It's not about no. you. So. No. That was. I, I don't foresee a problem. What, like, I'm not quite. This might be a bit over the top. I have, I think there should be more offensive no. picture in the school, which is a slap in the face. Like, bam! Here's what this is really about. Whereas mm-hmm. this, a student may say, "But wait a minute, what did we do wrong?" Nothing. Exactly. And so I don't see anything wrong with this. Everybody Talk has to about calm down. something, though, being wrong in Reno, in the words that you would say. And this, when I read this story, <laughs> I was like, please tell me a conviction is coming for this. Because if this isn't wrong in Reno, I don't know what it is. It's being reported there was an apartment fire that killed a two-year-old little girl because her mother, who happens to be an exotic dancer, I'm not sure if that has any real She's relevance, but I think it does to the story, left her home alone, a two-year-old. So police arrived at the scene. Obviously, the two people are deceased in this, but the story behind this is they did arrest the mother of a two-year-old girl who died. They said the fire was raging, and it consumed all kind of parts of this apartment building in Brooklyn, New York, and this happened on Tuesday. And the mother is being charged with reckless endangerment and child endangerment. And, of course, here it goes. So Leela Aquino, a 20-year-old individual, who apparently thought it was way more important to get out then to make sure her child had proper care, left her home alone. Not another person, not even an underage person, but left her home alone. And sources are saying that she went out to go work. She's an exotic dancer at a, at a gentleman's club in New York City. So firefighters were called to the scene. And here's what's interesting. Around 7.30 and found How the girl you after they extinguished the fire. This is crazy. They also this is wrong, Reno. Her, her, her remains were found under a scorched bed, so who knows? She might have been trying to hide from the flames. Well, I just tell you, this just, oh, my God, just eats at my core. Who does this? And uh, somebody know. else died in the fire as well that wasn't in, in the apartment because it went through the building. I under the know. bed, which means a little girl, too, who probably can't get out of the door. Right. I, I just. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around this. I'm like, what is this girl? I know she's 20, but I do believe you have the rational to know that a two-year-old cannot take care of themselves. Take them to a neighbor's house. Take them to a yes. relative's house. Or how about you just stay your ratchet ass at home? I'm sorry. I just can't. I mean, fathom I mean this. really, I mean, take if you can't you take her to a strip club and start a playpen in the room? I don't see a whole bunch of... OSHA rules at a strip club. I'm pretty sure that if you really must strip and make your money, there's a ton of girls in the back. You take your baby, you do your job, and you go home, but you do not leave a two-year-old at home by themselves. That is so irresponsible. I don't care what the reason is. That is horrible. And that, they should throw the book at her, and they should charge her with murder, too, if you really want to know oh, the man, truth. Clark. Like, don't reckless endangerment. What's interesting my, yeah. is what we don't know is we don't know if the, start, the fire started in her home and spread. We don't Doesn't know if it started somewhere else. They haven't given those details. Just a little girl was found after they extinguished the fire. Imagine being the firefighter that you're turning stuff over and you find this two-year-old body. You know how traumatizing? I'm traumatized and I didn't even see it. But imagine yeah. that. that. That requires therapy. I know they see all kinds of things, but when you see children like that, your first question yeah, is, where in terrible. God's name is the adult in here? All yeah. because you weren't home well, your daughter died. Yeah. I just don't understand this 
this new generation of people parenting, something is greatly wrong. Something is wrong. If you didn't want her, give her to somebody else. I hate to see a child in the system, but better she be in the system than this. Then in the yeah, this is disgusting. I don't know what's wrong with people, but you know better than this. You can't leave a two year old. I mean, she could get sick. She can get into poison. Two year olds. I mean, you can't leave them in a room and walk out of a room and go into another room and leave them in a room by themselves. You have to constantly watch a two year old. You can't leave them just for hours and hours on end by themselves. What is wrong with you? Anybody knows you walk out of a room with a toddler, you might come back to a whole bunch of nonsense like, whoa, for a split like, where, second. Like, where did you so find that? Is, I've been looking for that for six yes. months. Here it is. Yes. You found it. Yes. You know, I just, yes. it's so heartbreaking that people are so irresponsible like this. And the thing is, you know it's wrong when you do it. That's why mm-hmm. I need them to throw the book. She's still waiting to be bailed out. Yes. I need manslaughter to be charged because the little girl is dead. She's not, you know, in har- she's not harmed. She's dead and somebody else died too in right. the fire. I need two counts of manslaughter. I'm serious. Unless, I, yep. Well, here's the thing. If the fire didn't start in her apartment, which they'll figure that out at some point, then obviously they can't put the other the other one on her. If the fire started somewhere else and just flowed into her apartment, then obviously it's different. I just, and I bet you I wouldn't be surprised if we find out the little girl had been drugged, hoping she could just knock her out. You know, there's a whole trend with that, drugging kids and hoping they'll stay asleep the whole night and not wake up. Mm. I just, yeah. mm, that story just rubbed me the wrong way, along with this one. As we wrap up, say what? Why do people in glass houses throw stones? So R. Kelly decided to go on record and say that Bill Cosby is a pervert that belongs in jail. If he don't You're a pedophile that belongs up. in jail. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Like, did, Joe, did he try it? And no, not a pedophile just like what? I'm like, you are, that is what you do. I'm like, you are, are you kidding me? I don't even know why he had the audacity of the unmitigated gall. See, when you forgive people, see, everybody kind of forgot about the whole R. Kelly thing and glossed over it and everybody's singing his songs again and he got back in the good graces and now you feel like you're in the position to judge somebody else. I was like, don't ask me anything sexual ever again. I'm really trying to make this go away. R. Kelly is he's out of his he mind. actually went on record saying how this came out. I just really hope he didn't put his filthy hands on Olivia. She was my favorite. Not he had, he had he, a he lot like, of he, he really? was looking at her. He was looking at her. He That's tried it. it. He was. I'm going to tell That's you the problem is why he tried out of his mouth. I've long since felt that people were way too forgiving of R. Kelly. That's what I, correct. The rape correct. of that young girl. Correct. She was a minor. Correct. He was an adult. Correct. And he sexually assaulted her and did all kinds of things. I don't care yes. if she had looked like she had been around the block on a divvy bike ten times. She was a minor yes. under the influence of someone famous. It doesn't matter. And he got away with that, did not yes. go to jail. And people probably shamed yes. the girl more than they shamed him. And instantly people embraced him back in the community yes. as if he didn't yes. do it. Yes. Hence, I believe he feels like, well, no one, even though I did, he does. nobody I, that, that, punish me that's for That's exactly it, I what guess. I said. I'm like, everybody's singing R. Kelly songs again, and I we completely forgot what he I did, and everybody's singing I, R. And by R. Kelly, I and we completely forgot. And now he just feels like, he just feels like, oh, everybody forgot. And I'm like, and to the point that you think you can speak out on an issue like this? That means you are way know. too comfortable. We've made you uh, way, too way too comfortable. We have forgot about call, your pissy ass. From, let's see, I don't know where 818 is, but I'm pretty sure they're going to tell me. California. Thank you for tuned in to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden from the 818. Do you have a comment for the show? 
Uh, yeah, I do. Um, but before I bring it up, I, I just going by my experience, whenever I go over a topic like this, I know a lot of people get a little emotional and they start assuming things about you and they hang up on you. So, I mean, can you guys... We won't hang up. Let me tell no, you something. Can I, can you, we are very open-minded. When we ask people to call in, we can agree to disagree. So just know you're, you're in a safe space for the moment. Now go. Okay. Okay. Here's what I, I think a lot of women don't get this topic about being with a minor... Uh, compared to men. I know men will lie. We all know men lie a lot. But I think a lot of women get over-emotional about this, and I, I think you guys are wrong. There is a difference between a man who wants to be with a 17-year-old woman versus a guy who wants to be with a 6-year-old child. You, you guys understand that? Okay, keep going. I'm listening. Okay. So you understand also that there's nothing in a man's biological system that tells him, hey, you're only supposed to be attractive to women 18 and over. Um, we all know having sex with a child is wrong. That is sick, that is immoral, and that is nasty. But you, you guys are one of those people that make it seem like everyone under 18 is a stupid idiot child and looks like a child, and I guess when they turn 18, they magically become an adult? Is that logical? No, it's not. Here's the thing. The girl that R. Kelly had sex with was not, she was not 18. She was 14, 14 at the time. Right. That it happened, but here right. I get what you're saying because technically, from a societal standpoint, around the mm-hmm. turn of the century, men could marry and were having children with girls that were 12. So I get what you're saying, but here's the problem: as a society, okay. we have moved on, and that's no longer socially no, acceptable. That's not true. So, no, biologically, that's, that's, that's you may be attracted no, to someone true. like that. It's not socially acceptable, and it's against the law. No, that's not true. In most of America, you are legally allowed to have sex with someone under 18. What are you talking about? Where, what state is that where it's not called statutory rape? What, where is this? Without parental in, consent, where is yeah, this? There's, there's only a few states where you have to be 18 and over. The majority of the states, you are allowed to be with someone under 18. In the state like of Illinois. 17. There's some states, I think it's Illinois 17. is 17. It's but 17. there is no state in America, sir, that will allow a grown man to sleep with a 13 or 14-year-old. Absolutely no, but, but, not. Okay, so can I ask you, but you guys are, you guys are going on a really, you guys are cherry-picking and going to 13, 14, really gray areas. Because that's how what? old the girl was. No, but hold That's on. what but I'm saying. In this instance, okay, that's how old she was. Go no, ahead, but, but I, no, no, I get, no, I get what you're saying, but then you have to follow that up with another logical question. If you believe that everyone 13, 14, you know, some 14-year-olds are in high school, by the way, but if you believe they look like children, that they act like children, then I have to ask you, what age does everyone go from child to adult? Okay, so you, co- you made the right call because I work, in, I work in mental health and I'm working on my doctorate. Here's the problem. At 14, whether it's a 14-year-old you don't boy have the men- or a 14-year-old says girl. Who? Says who? Let me finish. Because you don't finish. have the Let mental me capacity. No, no, but I'm answering with the other – there's a lady who interrupted says you don't have the mental, so I'm asking okay. her says who. Well, here's the thing. Individually, let's not group everybody together. As a 14-year-old girl or even a 14-year-old boy, okay. you're going through puberty. You're discovering things right. a, lot, a lot of things about yourself, and I, I do believe okay. our youth are very over-sexualized, especially in this generation. But I'm going to tell okay. you something. There's nowhere within your life experience or even within understanding the concept or what sex is, should you be with someone who is like 25 or 30? Because they're, they're, let me finish. I'll let you talk. You're not developmentally mentally there. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, I have seen some 14-year-old girls that I was like, Jesus, she looks like a grown woman. So I could get why right. a man might look at her and say, oh, she looks like a grown woman. I get that. Right. I totally get right. what you're saying. But from a development right. standpoint, I have met with very few clients that emotionally and psychologically 
are adults at 14. You so made a point no, yourself. No, an 18-year-old, yeah, no, are they really an adult? Every, not really. Right. They're not. No but, everything, no, but everything you're saying, you didn't even have to tell me because I'm on your side. Obviously, there are plenty of people who are 13, 14, who are just trying to find themselves, who are not ready sexually. I, I, don't, just, I don't say you're wrong in any of that. In fact, how about this? You are right in everything you just said. But what I'm not understanding is, you were picking and choosing. You just said to me, don't paint a broad brush and lump everyone in together, and then you just did that. Not all 14, 15-year-olds are like that. If you remember your friends growing up, you're going to tell me there were no 14-year-old, 15-year-olds who were having sex, who wanted to have sex, who of kept having were. sex, and by, and by the way, hold on, and wanted to be with older guys? And you're going to tell me there's no one who ever had a boyfriend who said, I was 14, 15 when I met him, we fell in love, we were dating high school, college, and we got married. No one does that. Everyone's an idiot. I didn't say that. But how do you determine? I, I'm not saying that. How do you maturity determine? Maturity levels vary. Maturity levels do vary. I agree with you. Right. On that. Yes. And so, right. how do you determine? If it's two 15-year-olds in the room, how do you determine if I'm the smart, mature one and she's the one that hasn't developed? You can't determine that. How, so, so that's right, why no, we have right, this no, rule right. so, right. because so, you can't because, determine that. No, 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 again, again, you are right. I, I can't believe I'm actually agreeing with you. You're right. You cannot determine. So what you don't do is you don't say, since we can't determine who's mature and who's not, we're going to assume everyone's an idiot and put every guy in jail. That's not logical. Oh, no, no, Mike, my, my, look, here's the bottom line. All right, we're talking, this is about R. Kelly. She was an underage youth. It's statutory rape. I saw the video. And I'll tell you this. I did, too. She definitely was not innocent, and she knew what she might have knew more than I knew. I'll be honest. She was no. She was not young. She was not young in her sexual experience. But my point is that here in Illinois, that statutory rape and the issue I had with him is the fact that he had the nerve to point the finger at Bill Cosby. How dare you? How dare okay, you? Yeah, my but, issue but, I had but, with him. But 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 I'm still but I'm still trying to understand. No one's answered my question. I asked. When does everyone go from child to adult? Do you guys have an you, opinion? But, that, but there's not every. Here's my thing. Every. It's not everyone. It isn't. So then, why do you assume everyone's a child then? But so, what we have so come to understand assume? is that there are stages of development that can be traced almost for no, every. No, I gender. agree. So then, the why do you assume everyone's a child then? Everyone's not because a child. Because you right? have to. Because you can't determine. You can't do individual cases. You can't say, yes, well, you this can. Yes, you can. Fourteen year old. The, no, the, no, the, no, you the can't. For a reason. No, you, you can't. can't. It's arbitrary. No, but, 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 so but, but, here's but, what you but, need but, to understand. No, the, the law says that. if no, you get the to around the law with a fourteen year old girl in Illinois in a statutory rape, here's what I advise you not to do. It doesn't matter if you think she's emotionally and mentally mature. What you are running a risk of is going to jail because those are now the social constructs that are in place. Rather, no, but look, I'm getting two different, I'm getting two different answers. No, I'm getting two different answers. I don't mind debating you guys, but two people two are talking people. two different things. Yeah, so because it's just, two different people. Right. No. So I, when I answer one, don't please don't be annoyed at why am I interrupting you. I'm just trying to answer both people. If you're saying to me that you cannot determine who is mature and immature, you are right. It's case by case. But then exactly. if you're saying to me don't lump everyone in together and don't assume, and if you're saying you cannot assume. Then don't you see the hypocrisy contradiction you are assuming okay. everyone can be a child to put a guy in jail? Let me, let me put this back. I just put the framework out there for you again, but let me try it one more time. Here's how this works. You cannot differentiate on based on a, one 14-year-old based on experience, circumstances, maybe far more mature than another. We know that. That's a given. But when we talk okay. about situations of sexual interaction, if a state dictates, it doesn't, they, what they don't ask in the law they're not looking at the maturity of the child. They don't actually care what the child has to say. The exactly, law they says, don't. The law says, 
based on this age, it's unacceptable for the engagement of sexual activity with a man or woman, vice versa, whatever it is, with a child of this age. So what I'm talking about is within the construct of the law what it dictates. It doesn't look at maturity. I got you. I got you. So if that's your argument, then can I ask you, do you think if a law is a law, it's a justified law? It depends on what the law is. There you go. It really so you answered my question. So that goes to my follow-up question. Do you guys think everyone under 18 is a child and looks like a child? No. No, I've seen girls that look like they're 21 and they're not okay. 21. Okay. So physical okay. development so, varies. Okay, so if you agree that some people look like women and act mature, we know some have jobs, they drive cars, they take care of their families, especially when there's one parent. You know, they're very mature people who don't drink, don't smoke, and are very mature. If yes. they choose to have sex with someone 18 and over, should the man be in jail? I'll tell you this. If they feel it's true love, that's why the Romeo and Juliet law has come along in state to states because situations like this. We Those are only for two, three-year differences. I'm saying, though, but it's like high school because they realize this kind of thing was kind of unfolding. So sometimes the law understands that, well, you know, you did almost have two adolescents at one time together. Let me just say this. If somebody feels that strongly about each other, you better uh-huh. waltz in and talk to her mother or her father to make sure they don't come at you for statutory rape. And somehow and what if parents, they do? What if they do? Oh, that's what I'm saying, because I'm going to tell you something. If I was 14 and a 30-year-old man looked at me, we were going to have a problem, because my mother, the first okay, so, question okay. she was going to ask so by the, him by was, that logic, No, I, I get you. So by that logic, what if your daughter was 18 and she went out with a 60-year-old? That's legal. Exactly. I no longer have to protect her best interests. So if my daughter at 18 it's appropriate to be with someone, that's her choice. I would ask her why, but... Hence, go forth into the world and experience it. But as a parent, it is my job to you to make sure you are not being exploited. Because though you may be mature for your age, you're still not where you should be. Okay, but but again, but again, does a guy should is it morally right to put every man in jail if there's one, two, three year Romeo law? It's not. It's not morally right, but it's legally okay, and that's where the gray area is. Okay, so then why are you guys? Don't do something that's going to get you incarcerated. That's what I'm saying. Don't do it. No, but but no one's saying to you, hey, it's okay to go to jail. I love it. Let's go to jail together. No one's saying that to you. When I first called you, I got the impression that you guys, especially the other lady on the phone, that you guys were for these laws. Now I'm getting the Christian that you're saying it's not morally right. I'm a little, I'm a little I didn't say the opinion. other lady has shut up because the other lady, this is one lady talking, the other lady thinks that that law should be in place for a reason. I can't explain it to you any more than that. If it is, we're not talking 14 and 17 year olds. You haven't explained it to me. Logically. I'm going because we're. We're not talking 14, 17-year-olds. You, you keep going from a three-year Romeo and Juliet love, and I'm talking a 30-year-old man and a 14-year-old girl. That you should go to jail. Okay. If that's okay. the no, question no, you're okay. asking so, me, so I'm saying fine. absolutely no, yes. So, no, I got you. I yes. don't, please don't. You don't have to get annoyed. I'm just asking you, how old can a 14-year-old go with? What number do you got? 14? Yeah. Reasonably 16. So, like okay, if, some, if you're at her school, so, then yes. No, if I, you go I, I to school you. together. I, I got you. I, I got you. So a 14-year-old, you think, is okay to go out with a 16-year-old, but not a 17-year-old. Is that what you're telling me? I didn't say that. I said if you go to school with each other, yes. If you have to pick me up and you can buy liquor, absolutely not. That's where I'll draw the line. No. Okay, so your line, absolutely so your line is, not. So your line is a 14-year-old If you can buy liquor, can no. So, so your if logic you can buy liquor, no. Yeah, I, I got you. So your 14-year-old can go out the 15-year-old, the 16-year-old, the yes. 17-year-old, yes. as long as they're at the same school. Yes. How is that logical? That doesn't make any logical sense. You're going by well, emotion. It is logical because you're, you're taking people that have something in common, their environment, things that, of individuals of their age would share. 
They have common ground. So it actually so you does can't share, you can't have you can't have things in common unless they go to the same school. I'm saying you're in high school. So high school age kids have this often have the same things in common. This is why America puts so many people in jail and stacks people well, up like they're you know why? It's, well, I mean, that's one of the reasons. I'm sorry. There are other reasons. You're right. One of the reasons is because people just, just say things like this. If you go to the same school, it's okay. If you don't, it's Okay, let okay. me ask you, let me ask you a personal sense. question, and I don't know you, so you yeah. can be honest. Yeah, my Have name is Bobby. I'm the greatest caller. Have you been in a situation before where this was difficult? Uh, say it again. I, I didn't get that. Sorry. Say it again. Have you been in a situation that was difficult like this? Because it seems like you're kind of open to it. I, I, I'm going to tell you a secret before I answer it. Every man, or I shouldn't say every man, most men are open to it. And if any guy tells you he's not, he's either a liar or he's one of the minorities. Most men have either at one point in their life checked out a girl who was under 18, wanted to be with a girl, or was with a girl under 18, but they're not going to admit it. It's like if you ask a man, hey, do you watch porn or do you go to a strip club? Men lie. Men are going to say, no, I don't do that. And then we know how many men do that, right? So you okay. know most men like young women. You know that. Okay, younger women. I get that. I, okay. Yeah. But actually, you know what? And let me correct that. Men like older women, too. Men like women of all <laughs> you know, ages. Right it doesn't really matter. What, you know, you could find granny porn on, on the oh, internet. Oh, God, men, it seems too much. Stop, stop, stop men, with that. Okay, no, no granny porn. But I'm saying okay. men like women of all ages. It doesn't really matter how old you are. But if you ask biologically, scientifically, yes, men usually go for women who are younger, and women usually go for guys who are older. Not everyone. It's either the same age or younger or older. That's usually how it is. And I think it is morally wrong. It is something sick about a society to have punish a man for doing something natural, like having permission to have sex with someone who is mature. Now, if she looked like a child or she acted like a child, obviously that's, that's nasty, that's sick, that is immoral. But to do something natural and put him in jail and brand him as a pedophile and make it seem like he needs psychological help, that is insane to me. And I, I haven't had anyone convince me so far. There's one lady who doesn't agree with me. The only thing I got from her is if you're at the same high school, it's okay. That's all I got. And technically, I didn't say the same high school. You know what? Don't do semantics because that's what I can't stand. You know what I mean. And what I'm telling you is a 25-year-old can absolutely manipulate a 14-year-old, no matter how mature she looks and how mature she can be. You can be manipulated. You're right. Men manipulate. And that doesn't change when you're 18, 19, 20. But you have, but you be have a better and, chance of doing a 14-year-old than manipulating yeah. me when I'm 23. Yeah, and you, you have a better chance with a 14-year-old. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so, so I remember being a 14-year-old so, girl when an older boy looked at me. There was something guys, about, when, you know, this, you're a freshman. It's easy to manipulate. Oh, when, you guys were, when, you guys were eight, when you guys were 18, 19, and 20, do you not remember how many friends you had, how many people you had that went to colleges, that joined sororities, that met some guy at a bar, and they were – convinced he loved me, he liked me, he said we're going to be together, and they had sex, and the guy used her for sex. Are you going to exactly. act like it's really that different when they're What's 18 that, and see, 19? Here's the difference. At that age, if you haven't got on the learning curve, shame on you. <laughs> At 14, you're very, you're, you're very impressionable. You have no, yes, you have no experience. Just, if I let a boy trick me at 23, that's my fault. I should know better. Okay. I know he doesn't love okay. me. I just, okay. so I just that, want so that, that to happen. Okay. I got you. I got you. So by that logic, by that logic, a fourteen-year-old should not have sex with anyone because a fifteen-year-old and six-year-old can I'm, use I'm her just as much. Yes. I don't yes. want fourteen. Actually, yes, I don't, I don't want fourteen-year-olds having sex with anybody. No. So then we go to the, so then we go to the next question. If a fourteen-year-old has sex with a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old, some douchebag in high school who says, "Baby, I love you. I want to be with you," right. and he uses it for sex, should that fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old go to jail? 
No, he doesn't because you know what? No. He's, he's in the right age bracket. <laughs> Unbelievable. But if he's got a good daddy, he's going to get a beat down. No, <laughs> All right. My, Thank no, you for the call. My... We appreciate okay, it. You Hopefully, lost the debate. Hope... You're going to hang up on me now. You lost the debate. Oh, no, 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 my name is Bobby. I am the greatest caller in the history of radio. If you ever want to have me on as a guest, then. All right. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Hey, I can appreciate when people have a point of view. I'm fine with people expressing how they feel. I know we don't all agree, and this is one of those areas. You do right. We probably could have a show about this. I, I get that, mm-hmm. but there's a lot. There's a lot of those, and this is why we uptake in teen pregnancy and. All kinds of stuff going on because there's a lack of true understanding about being responsible about having sex. Yes. I'm just going to tell you this. An older man, an older woman can manipulate a younger child. I mean, it's just, yes. I don't care how mature you are, when you're under someone's thumb like that, they just have an advantage. And I get it. Right. At the turn of the century, it was okay to scoop up a 12-year-old. It was okay, but not no more. That's just, no. we're not doing that anymore. All right, everybody, that's it. We didn't even get to the last segment because Bobby just came in and disrupted everything. But that's okay. We appreciate a good caller. He was a new caller, so there you have it. All right, so always Monday, Wednesday, Friday, noon to 2 p.m., make sure you check us out. If you miss any show, you can always go to my blog talk page or to the iTunes store podcast section, search Maya Kai Presents, and you can always go to my website, mayakai.com, for everything that's related to the show. If you want to follow us off air, Nikki, where can I find you? I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram. Enjoy your Monday, and if you get the opportunity to do something nice today. Like not mess with Joy, your Monday. We'll see you on Wednesday. Follow Maya on Twitter at the Maya Akai Show, on Instagram at Maya Akai, and friend her on Facebook. Social media is bringing us all closer together. The Maya Akai Show. Radio never looks so good. Eh, I'm going to retweet this. <laughs>